Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is the Sports Edge with Rick Wolf on your flagship station for New York sports. The Fan, Sports Radio 66 and 1019 FM, WFAN, New York. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Rick Wolf's Sports Edge. I'm your host, Rick Wolf. On this morning's show, in light of our excellent discussions over the past two weeks about the the growing concerns about pay-for-play in youth sports and just how difficult and confusing it is to be starting out as a sports parent these days, I thought we'd talk about the, the basics of how sports parents should communicate and react to your athlete as they go through the process. And a lot of this has to do with dealing with adversity. Okay, now I'm talking about how you, as a mom or a dad, should respond when your youngster begins to encounter the the ups and downs of competitive sports. For example, what do you say to your to your youngster when they are confronting upcoming tryouts for a team? How do you prepare them for the possibility that they may be cut or not considered good enough by the coaches? What do you say to him or her when they come home from a game, a game in which they didn't play very much? What do you say to your child on the way home from a game in which they didn't play well? And they know they didn't play well. Now, look, we all know at the high school level, there are situations that are routine. These situations are routine and happen all the time. But my question is, what do you say to a kid who is 6 or 8 or 10 and is just starting out in the wild, wild world of competitive sports? And I, I want to talk about this because I think the interaction, the verbal communication between a parent and a son and a daughter, when they're just getting involved in sports, it is so crucially important because they're looking to you for guidance. They're looking to you for advice. Why? Because this is all brand new territory for them. Let's talk about this. one 337 6666 Because, you know, the way you interact with your child during these critically important developmental years can have a real impact on how they approach sports in the years to come. For example, you know, lots of people these days are are saying that there's a general decline in the number of kids playing sports at the middle school and at the high school level. Uh, people say that there's a direct correlation between the pay-for-play, which we've discussed, or as, as sports become too expensive and more and more kids can't afford them and they stop playing. Well, I would contend, sure, that's part of the issue. But I would also suggest that around the ages of 10 or 12, as a youngster discovers that he or she is not going to make a travel or a club team, well, that's when they stop pursuing athletics because uh, they just don't see it as a form of, of fun or, or enjoyment anymore. And also, I want to throw into the mix, I don't hear much these days about those kids who are so determined that they want to resist the odds and they decide that they want to keep on playing their sport because they want to prove to the world that they are talented and ad- and good at their particular activity. It's almost as though the philosophy has become, well, what's the use 
if I can't make a team, the coach, you know, clearly doesn't see how good I am, so why even bother? If he's never going to play me, why make the effort? Well, you know, that's, that's all part of an issue that is new to this generation, and I'm not sure this is something we want to, to encourage. And then on the other side of the coin, there are such talented young stars that they are seemingly given special treatment growing up, as though these kids are so good that no coach ever wants to interfere with their development by either teaching them the fundamentals of the game of, of hard work and discipline. For example, when I hear stars like Manny Machado say he's not into hustling, that's not his style, I wonder where that, where'd that come from? How was he treated in baseball when he was developing his physical skills? Or Bryce Harper, who swears he's all about winning all the time, but too many times we've seen him not give 100% effort. Were these two kids so good uh, when they were growing up that no one took the time to take them off to the side and explain to them that you have to hustle all the time or else you're going to find yourself watching the action from the sidelines? Perhaps these kids were so talented that no coach ever wanted to be in a situation where they were benching these players. And it's true of a lot of kids, uh, top athletes in sports these days. I mean, the talented but erratic Odell Beckham Jr., didn't seem to make a full or complete effort on a crucial on-sites kick last week. And afterwards he said, well, don't question my effort. But how can we not? And how many times have we seen an NBA or NFL star say that uh, they're gonna want, they want their head coach fired? Or they want, just trade me to a different team? My overall point is this. All these issues we see now at the, at the professional level, well, a lot of this stems back to the early years of competitive athletics when all these basic rules and fundamentals and expectations and communication should and needs to take place from the coach or the parent to the youngster. And if it doesn't, how can we be surprised when these kids grow up to compete but do so in a manner that doesn't necessarily conform with the expected athletic norms? To me, it's, it's baffling and frustrating, and it all starts at, at the grassroots level. One eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. Let's see if we can talk about this. Let's go to Ed over in Elizabeth. Ed, good morning. Good morning, Rick. How you doing? Good. How are you, Ed? Well, I got. I'm going to talk about the adversity with the parents, but I'm going to talk about the so-called stars. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, we just started our baseball winter workouts. We had 12 <laughs> players walking late. I had the. I, I threw them all out, sent them home, and then some of these kids are pretty good baseball players. So you know what it is? I think a lot of these travel teams, they want to earn a name saying that they got the star players and all that stuff. Right. But the thing is, I don't think they prepare them what to expect if they want to go play on college and all that stuff. Well, Ed, I have to ask you, when you have these kids come in and they're all late, uh, they, and you say, just go home, I'm not interested, you didn't make the effort to be here on time, what was the reaction from the kids and from their parents? Well, it's amazing. Three of the kids played for me in the fall, so they know my rule. So they, 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 they didn't even question me. Some of the other kids just looked at me. One parent said, well, we got stuck at Charlie. He said, I don't care. They knew you you got to leave early. Okay? You, well, we're here to help your kids become better ballplayers. And you, you walk in late? Uh, we don't want to know that. And, 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 I mean, is this, is this, this is typical. This is a very good example, Ed, of what I'm talking about that, well, you know, you took a stance on this and said, these are my rules. you got to be on time. You're not on time, uh, then don't bother showing up. And well, yet, you know what's that? Oh, I'm sorry. Finish up, Rick. I was going to say that point. this is typical what I'm talking about. Like, you know, at least you took a stance and said to these kids, this is how it's going to be. And, you know, they sit there and they look at you dumbfounded and say, well, we ran into traffic or whatever. 
I'm curious as to what's going to happen next week, if they're going to show up on time or they're just going to walk away. Well, if they walk away, I'm sure we'll find find other kids to play. But my point is this, okay? You know, in in January and February, we're inviting college coaches to watch our workouts. Yep. So what what do you think the college coaches are going to say when when these kids walk in late? You understand what I'm saying? I mean, they don't don't get it. And, And not only that, not only some of the players, but even the parents. And I think a lot of it is, is the parental guidance of getting, there, getting them there on time. Well, of course it is, because this is what I'm talking about. A lot of this stems from the, the early interaction between the mom and the dad who sees that the kid has some athletic ability, and the mom or dad sort of says, well, you know, I, I'm, the kid's so good. My kid is so talented. I'm sure if he walks in a few minutes late... You know, Ed's not going to be concerned about that, or if the college coaches, they understand that sometimes there's traffic or other extenuating circumstances. But what, this, is, this is just what I'm talking about. You're sending the kid down the wrong pathway so that they don't feel accountable, they don't feel like they have to be responsible for, for being on time. It, it's, it's well, you know, it's ironic, Rick. The three kids that were late, I had a rumor in the fall. Yeah, you said. Sometimes you might be late. Just send me a test, coach. I'm stuck in traffic. Because the state of New Jersey right now, the traffic in the state is unbearable. And and you know, to, to get the places, it, it's it's uh, well. This is what exactly, and I'm, I'm so glad you chimed in today, Ed, because this is what I'm talking about. It's just a sense of, you know, we wonder what the kids' uh, attitude today. And I have to say, the attitude, their kid, the kids' attitudes are influenced by the parents, and the parents are the don't 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 care. Then how can they expect the kids to care? It's, it's well, just, I, I want to bring up the part about the adversity part, yeah, and. Um, I think it's important because sometimes I go to games or whatever, even on a younger level, and I see the parents screaming at their kids for, for, for mistakes or whatever. I, I want to share a story of what my father used to do, and we, we as, a, as a family, when we go watch, you know, for me it's my niece or nephew, but when we go watch our, our, our siblings play, we go down the, down the line of the opposite dugout. We sit there, we mind our own business, we're there, we're happy to go watch them play. At the end of the game, my father used to say to me, did you have fun? He would probably say, yeah, but maybe it wasn't in the jovial tone or whatever. Right. He never would interfere. But if we asked him a question about this or that, my father and we never say that you never go against your coach. Here's a suggestion. If you think it's worth trying, do it. If not, your coach is there with you every day. But I, you see too many parents, they're going crazy at games. Yeah, I, it's I got to tell you, Ed, and, and we've talked about this before, the combination of, A, you want to make sure the kids understand that, yeah, it's about having fun, but, B, you also want to give the kids a chance to, to have some freedom to do what they want to do, but, C, the kids have to understand you got to abide by the rules, understand, be on time, listen up, pay attention, do the right thing. Very simple concepts, yet for some reason th- these messages seem to get muddled and lost in the mix. It's as simple as that. Michael Jordan had a famous saying, and I, I got it on a T-shirt. Yeah. To be good, you know, you have to know how to fail. Well, of course, of course. Ed, thank you for the call. Talk to you. Have soon. a great day, Rick. Take care, Ed. You know, and and a lot of lot of wisdom in what Ed has to say there. And again, he's exactly. I'm so glad he called in this one because his example. He's got his uh, winter baseball uh, sessions going on, and you know, a dozen kids show up late, and he says goodbye, not interested. And even more so, he's got three kids who had been with him in the fall, so they know the rules. This is not good. This is not the kind of situation you want to be caught in if, if you're a coach or, or an athlete. You've you got to be in a situation, if you're an athlete, you've got to meet the coach halfway and, and, and basically abide by 
his or her rules. Let's go over to Rob and Lake Success. Rob, good morning. Hey, 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 doing, Rick? First of all, I want to thank you. I'm working with Joel Pasternak now, by the way, and uh, I already see some results. And, and that's a point uh, I was thinking about because me as a, as a coach as well as an athlete, yep. you don't always know everything, even if you are a coach. The, the, the best athletes are the someone who are always willing to learn and pick up information from uh, other people, other coaches, because if, you, know, you, you have to learn Always learning sports, you know, even if you are a coach. So that's just something I wanted to just throw out. Um, I was thinking about what you were saying, and this is all about psychology, Rick, what you just talked about, mm-hmm. all right? Mm-hmm. And I'm going to read a quote, because what you're talking about with, with what kids uh, going through adversity about failing or not making a team, it's, it's really psychology, and that's what you do. And I'm going to read you a quote from a, a book I read, and it's very quick. And this is what I buy abide by, and it, it has to do with running and track and field, but it's for all sports. And, and, I, and it's just here, here's what it is. Winning does not always mean coming in first, second, or third, or even fourth. They are wins, too, no matter what anyone says. Real victory is in arriving at the finish line with no regrets. You go all out, and then you accept the consequences. And what, to me, that means is, no matter what the sport is, as long as what my father would say to me, he never pushed me in anything. And what I would say to a kid, okay, as long as you try your best, you are a winner. Just go out there, do as you can, you have, leave everything out there on the field. And that is what the psychology of all this is. And I'll just leave it at this. I myself am working with the Maccabees, now the, uh, the Jewish Olympics, and I, I am picking uh, the half marathon team going next year to Europe. Okay? Very difficult. But at least in my sport, we go off times. So there really is not an, you know, you, it's, there's no favoritism there. We, we, we decide on a time. If someone is faster than someone else, then, you know, they're, they're going to make it. But that's really what it is, Rick. It's, I, it's going psychology. Well, Rob, I, uh, and, yeah, I couldn't agree with you more uh, because, honestly, and thank you for the call this morning, you know, the fact is, as Rob said so eloquently, if you're a parent, the, the basic fundamental lesson you want to get across to your son or daughter as they begin in sports is, you know, all you can do, all you can c- control is if you do your very best. That means giving 100% of your effort uh, when you go out to a practice or into a game. Uh, you can't control who's going to win or lose, but you can control how much of an effort you do. And I remember myself talking uh, over the years with, with my dad. You know, he'd always ask me, well, Rick, did you prepare as you possibly, best you possibly could for this test or for this game? If you've prepared to your, to your total satisfaction, then no matter what happens, at least you can come away knowing you gave it your best or total effort. And that's a lesson that should really be taught to our kids, again, as they're starting out not only in sports and in school, but that's a fundamental concept of parenting. Always get your kid to be expecting the best for themselves, and that's, that's one of the keys in terms of, of development. And I, I, I heartily believe in that, and I think, unfortunately, these days we're, we're sort of drifting away from that, uh, and more of a focus on just winning at all costs or the kids, you know, they're super talented. Uh, you know, no, that's, no, let's go about the effort first. Let's talk about making the effort and what is expected of each kid. All right, let me, let me take a pause. Uh, when I come back, I'll go right back to your phone calls at one 337 6666 But first, uh, Dave Hiram has your update. I'll be back with more. Stay with me. Com. Big Wolf. 
Let me try to be very, very clear about this. You know, when we when kids start getting involved in youth sports uh, and learning about uh, travel teams and and competing and so on and so forth, I, I fear that sometimes the, the moms and dads and youth coaches sort of assume that our kids already know these basic fundamentals. And and trust me, these things are have to be taught. And they have to be learned and they have to be drilled into young athletes because they are not something they're born with. You have to teach them about the concepts of discipline and what it means to be in a team and what's expected of them to always do their best at practices and at games, to be prepared, to be on time. Uh, again, sportsmanship, uh, you have to remind them what that means and how to behave. It's easy to be a good sport when you win. How about when you lose? you got to remind them that being on a team is a privilege, and it's not a right. I mean, these are just concepts that have to be drilled into youngsters because you, I, I fear, as I said, too many moms and dads and coaches today assume kids already know this. And unfortunately, if, if kids uh, skate by and they don't learn these lessons early on or they're not enforced, then as the kids get to be in middle school or high school, we begin to see some real gaps in the way they go about their their attitude and approach to sports. And that's what I'm talking about. And this all falls on the moms and dads and the young youth coaches. They got to drill these lessons into the kids so that everybody's on the same page. one 337 6666 Let's go to our friend Jack Smithland over in Fairlawn. Jack, good morning. Jack, you there? Oh my goodness! We seem to have lost Jack. So let's let's move on. Let's go over to uh, to to Jimmy in Hopewell Junction. Jimmy, good morning. You're on the fan. Hi, Rick. The first thing I want to say is I sent you an email last week and you responded. I wanted to thank you for that. Of course. Um, the um, the first caller that you had, he was talking about being on time. Yes. Uh, one of the, one of the things that we stress with our players is well, my rule is anyway, um, if you're not there 15 minutes early, you're late. Yes, that's that's set from that from the beginning. Either you know, either fifteen minutes early or you're late. Um, and the, the the other thing we do too is is we set the bar with the parents very early on in our parent meeting. We go through all of the things that we expect from our players um, as far as discipline is concerned, being on time. Um, you know the way they, they act when a, when a coach is addressing the team. Mm-hmm. Um, all eyes are on the coach, um, and during the parent meeting, we actually tell the parents, "Listen, we need your help doing this. This is what we expect from the players. We need you to reinforce this with the players." But Jimmy, this is exactly uh, you know we're talking about here, obviously, and, and you know as Ed had said earlier, uh, you know being on time. That's like such a fundamental, and yet too many kids today and their parents don't seem to understand that concept. They'll, they'll get there around being on time. So when you say to the kids and to their parents, you have to be here 15 minutes early, that's what we expect because we'll be here on time. I mean, that's, that's just fundamental. It's also courtesy, quite frankly. I mean, and, and right. we, we understand there are sometimes there are extenuating circumstances. There's traffic, a car won't start, whatever it might be. But these days, we know that kids uh, all have phones, and they can communicate w- with you and say, here's my problem this morning. I can't get there precisely at 9 o'clock. I mean, this is exactly. basic stuff. And to your other point, Jimmy, about basically talking to the parents, 
saying, look, we need your help here. We need for you to basically reinforce the same lessons we're trying to get to your, to your kids. This is what it's all about. And, and um, again, I think too often in this day and age, uh, this stuff sort of falls between the cracks, and it's not, not good. Right. Well, the other thing, too, is that coaches need to understand. So if I expect my players to be there 15 minutes before start time, yep. then I have to be there half hour before start time <laughs> because I have to be there before my players. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, and I don't think the parents understand that, that, that as much as they make an effort to get their kids on time, the, parent, the coaches are there even earlier. It's as simple as that. So. Exactly. Now, the other thing too, I, I mean, I, I know you have other callers, but yes. one thing that I, I wanted to wanted to say also is that when we speak to the parents, we also tell the parents what's expecting expected of them. Of course. And what I mean, what I mean by that is, you know, no interactions with umpires, no interactions with players, unless basically, is all we need you to do is to sit there and clap and to um, you know build up the players as they're playing a game. That's it. No criticism. No nothing. I agree. I agree, Jimmy. Thank you for the call. Let me move on. Take care. Uh, Thanks, Rick. You bet. Uh, you know, yeah, what Jimmy's saying, and he's in the middle of this as, as, as a travel team coach, yeah, you got to make sure everybody's on the same page with the youngsters and their parents. Uh, let's go over to Madison. Mike, good morning. You're on the fan. Good morning, Rick. Uh, I'm just calling uh, in reference to you. had your first caller, I believe, was Ed. Yes, Ed Ward. Uh, who ran a team. Yes. Um, my question is, and this is part of the problem, and it's, it's in a, ironic – what are we doing practicing baseball on December 9th? <laughs> That's the problem. You know what I mean? Uh, why are kids, why are we worried about kids being late for baseball practice on December 9th? This is, what we, this, is why, this is why kids can't play multi-sports and things like that. We're focusing too much, 12 months a year, on one sport. I know well, Ed, he means well. He's a good coach, I'm sure. But I just thought his statement was funny in that, you know, kids are late for baseball practice on December 9th. Well, why well, are we practicing Mike, on December 9th? First of all, two things. One... Uh, if a kid decides that, uh, and he did, and, and you know, Ed works with high school athletes, and by the time a kid is fourteen or fifteen, uh, usually by the time they're a freshman or sophomore in high school, they've decided, you know, what they're going to focus on. They're going to, by that age, they're going to specialize. The point is that if a kid does decide he wants to do that and makes the commitment, and Ed is there on time, uh, then certainly the kids have an obligation to be there on time. As far as right. specialization, I, and I, Mike, I hear you loud and clear, and you know, if you heard the show, obviously, over the years, you know I'm a big proponent of kids not specializing, particularly at the younger ages. I mean, for goodness sakes, just last night, we, we saw a baseball player win the Heisman Trophy, for goodness sakes. I mean, Kyler Murray right. has already said he's already signed with Oakland. He was a first-round draft choice. He's a terrific outfielder with great speed, and he's only five foot eleven, maybe. So clearly, you know, he didn't specialize in high school. He decided right. I would play all his sports, and uh, by golly, he's won the Heisman Trophy now. So I don't believe, as I said, specializing at young ages. And if a kid is good enough and talented enough and plays by the rules and is on time all the time. There's no reason why you can't go on to play not only different sports in high school, but also into college, So and even to pro ball. So, so again, the whole thing about specialization, I think that parents too often get get concerned and worried that i got to get my kid into uh, uh, one specialized right. program too young, but that's not, that, that's not the way it is in the real world. So anyway. You know what it is? It, what, it, what it is, Rick, is in all honesty, and I'm a, I'm a baseball coach here, yep. um, these, these programs, they sell hope. All these, a lot of these uh, club teams, they that sell hope true. to parents. That's it's a, true. It's a perfect storm. We got parents 
who want their kids to keep up with other kids. We got parents who want their kids to get the almighty college scholarship, and they'll do anything they can. And then we have uh, these club teams that realize, hey, I can make big money if I can lock this kid in, not only during the baseball season, but 12 months a year. This is what they're doing. And now, as a result, we have kids with overuse and misuse arm injuries because they're playing 12 months a year. Professional baseball players aren't playing baseball in December. Well, so why do we have kids playing baseball in December? I hear what you're saying, and, and uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to stay neutral on this because, as I said, I, I, I know very much what you're talking about with repetitive use injuries and over-specialization, but I also agree, too, with you, Mike, that, you know, travel programs – you know, they are selling hope. They're all selling this, you know, my it's kid. It's a business, Rick. It's it what is it is. A business. Let's be honest. It's, it's, it's a business. It's a, it's a $20 billion business a year, and there are concerns. No question about it. Uh, so, you know, your points are, are well, well taken. Simple as that. Mike, thank you for the call. Talk to you soon. Let's move quickly over to, uh, to Jim in Saddlebrook, New Jersey. Jim, good morning. You're on the fan. Uh, good morning. I, I, I don't even know where to begin with all the <laughs> comments that have just uh, – I, I I've been a youth coach uh, uh, for multi sports. Yeah, and, and uh, I believe in multi sports for for kids. Mm-hmm. My, my 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 son was a, a well, still is a, a very good athlete who went on to play Division One uh, lacrosse. But talking with all the coaches that recruited him, the first thing they asked was, "What other sports do you play?" Mm-hmm. And it's a huge thing to not be uh, stuck in one sport. Um, you know, it's a great line. I heard from a football coach early on, which was, I love the kids that come into football that played uh, soccer because they run with their heads up looking at the field, mm-hmm. not with their heads down. And uh, Jim, that's a really good point. And, you know, it's funny you say that because even to this day, you talk to college football coaches who recruit and they always look for kids coming out of high school who did not specialize in just football. They want kids who are multi-sport athletes. Why? Because if a kid is talented enough to play at the varsity level in high school at a variety of sports, that's strong indication that that kid is a multi-sport talented athlete and can yeah. adapt and learn very quickly uh, just to play football in college. You, you, you couldn't be more correct. I, I heard that from, and, and he, he fortunately was recruited by major lacrosse programs mm-hmm. and, and some of the best coaches in the country. Uh, and, uh, and that was a repetitive theme uh, uh, you know, among them. Uh, where it was, what else do you play? Yeah, of what course. Else, you know, and, and again, uh, and, and Jim, thank you uh, for your, your call this morning. Uh, you know, the fact is, yeah, all college coaches are interested in finding the top athletes. And the way they look at that, that sort of litmus test is to say, well, that was a kid good enough to play a variety of sports uh, in high school? Because that strongly suggests the kid is a terrific athlete, much in the same way that a Kyler Murray you know, uh, you know, is it was a great football player and a great baseball player, and that's what the coaches are looking for: great, great athletes. All right, let me take a timeout. When I return, I'll go right back to your calls. Radio.com. 
And in about uh, 18 minutes from now, it is Football Sunday with Mark Malusis and Dave Deal. Uh, make sure you get your total fill of what's happening in the National Football League with Mark and with Dave. Again, that's at 9 o'clock this morning here on The Fan. Um, I also remind you, of course, you can always go to my website. Uh, if you have thoughts or comments or questions or you want to contact me at askcoachwolf.com. Uh, or you can follow me on Twitter at, at uh, AskCoachWolf as well. Now, this past Wednesday evening, I had just a terrific time over at Fairlawn, New Jersey, at a fundraiser for the Fairlawn uh, High School Hall of Fame. Uh, tremendous, uh, great interaction with the folks who attended. We're all talking about sports psychology and today's application for young athletes and coaches. Uh, the evening was all focused on my book, uh, Secrets of Sports Psychology Revealed. Uh, and uh, the person who basically made this happen is our friend Jack Smithlin. And uh, <laughs> Jack's just been a tremendous, uh, tremendous friend and, and a proponent of all the various lessons and principles we put forth in the show here. And Jack is back with us this morning. Jack, good morning. You're, we, I guess, I don't know what happened before, but now you're back on the fan. Well, I, I bet you my mother-in-law had something to do with that. I don't know. I don't know how I got cut off, but... Um, <laughs> This uh, and you didn't have the pleasure of meeting her on uh, Wednesday night, so um, I wouldn't do that to you. But this is great. We have uh, Ed and Dr. Rob from Long Island on, and yep. now I'm getting on. This is some show today. First of all, back about the Wednesday, I got nothing but compliments, and three or four people came up and said, "Can you do this for us? Can you do this for us?" <laughs> so the, the show was great. The the lecture was fabulous. Um, all my athletes there, every one of my hitters was there with their parents, my older kids. And, Rick, once again, thank you so much for doing that. It, was, uh, it really was a hit. So um, getting back to today, first of all, Ed said at the beginning, he said, you know, three of those guys were my best athletes. Well, yeah. if they were his best athletes, they wouldn't have been late. <laughs> they, would have been, they would have been on time. And, you know, getting back to this topic is, is amazing, and I could sit and talk about this for days. And I've lived both. I've lived it as a coach. I've lived it as a parent. And I lived it as a high-level coach at the varsity level. And it, it, it's, a, it's a tough topic because one of the things that I tell, told my two sons as a parent, and when you opened up the show, that's what your topic was, how do parents deal with the kids yeah. with all these different problems. They're life lessons, you know, and your book is, is the psychology, you know, of, of sport, and it's all about life lessons. It's teaching the kids that you're going to deal with adversity. You're going to deal with coaches that don't like you, you think, or that are not playing you because their kids are playing daddy ball. You know, these things, one of the girls, one of my, one of my hitters asked you that the other night, and you answered it beautifully. And she said that, you know, that she came away feeling comfortable about what you said. And you know what? I tell my kids this. Do it for the right reasons. And the right reasons are not my reasons. The right reasons are your reasons. Mm -hmm. Why are you doing, why are you playing sports, you know? And then once we get that, while, you know, I'm playing for fun, you can deal with your whole aspect of how you're going to train that child based on they want to do it for fun. And then what happens is, I want to get to the next level, Dad. You know, I want to get to the high school level. Then you deal with that on a different level. You know, it's not all 
done the exact same way. There are different reasons. And you know what? And, I, and I'm going to say this again, and you're going to yell at me someday about it, because I, I talk about it all the time. I read more than 90 books on the mental game, and by far your book is the best I've ever read because it explains all this stuff. It tells the things that you need to know about parenting, about psychology. You talk to, you know, I could talk all day, Rick, about this. Well, so, Jack, you know, the, hopefully one day you'll let me take you out for coffee. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for your, as always, very kind comments. Here, well, here's, here's the thing, Jack, and you know this because you've coached, you know, for four, four decades plus. These fundamental concepts that I'm talking about this morning, about teaching uh, kids about how to behave uh, when, they, when they win and when they lose, being on time, uh, knowing how to, to deal with adversity, uh, dealing with, with the, the, having to do with the, the, the nervousness that comes, the anxiety with a tryout, all these things, uh, these are concepts that are not innately learned or, or instinctive to any youngster. They have to be taught. And when kids are just starting out in the early years, they have to have you as the parent or as the coach explain this to them so that they have some sort of level, you know, of background to understand what happens next. Because, unfortunately, I think in this day and age, uh, too many coaches and too many parents don't take the time to explain this to the youngsters, and the kids are ill-prepared when they go through the process. Um, well, one, one of the things you said about how it's, you know, you know my, my program at school that I've taught and has been very, very successful is our Life Lessons program. It's actually a book written by a, um, a doctor up in Massachusetts, um, and it's called Mega Skills. It's mm-hmm. our life skills. And how do we teach life skills? Repetition, repetition, repetition. Your one symposium at Montclair about, you know, social, the dangers of social media. How do we teach our kids that it's dangerous? By repeating it and repeating it. How do we teach our kids about drugs being a problem? We repeat it and we repeat it. And sooner or later, and like a teacher of 42 years, and I'm retiring in about seven days, one of the things that I learned is that the more they hear it, the more they'll get it. Yep. And yep. that's it. But, Jack, you know, Rick, it's... Uh, every week, like I said, your, your your show, my whole day is it rotates around your <laughs> around your show. I walk my dog an hour early every Sunday, and I blame you for that. So, <laughs> <laughs> Jack, my thanks as always. I'll talk to you real soon. <laughs> Rick, uh, love your show. Love you. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Jack. And I, I feel for I feel for Jack's dog who has to get up a, a hour earlier on Sunday so Jack can listen to the Sports Edge. Oh my goodness! And I just want to make one quick comment because Mike had called earlier about. about you know, the idea, the concerns of specialization and, and playing, you know, baseball, you know, all year round. Well, you know, I was thinking about that during during uh, Dave's update, and I was thinking that, you know, going back even to when I was in school, in high school, yeah, I used to, during the winter months, uh, and I played football and I played baseball, of course, in high school. I also played basketball in the varsity, and I also ran indoor track. You know, I used to go out occasionally and take uh, batting practice and fielding practice uh, during the winter time just to keep my baseball skills sharp. It wasn't a matter of, of, uh, of over over uh, repetition. It was just about just to have fun enjoying it. But I was doing this while I was playing basketball and, and also one year I was running indoor track. It's all about just finding the time and enjoying yourself. You don't have to worry about over-specialization uh, as long as you're playing a variety of sports. Let me go quickly over to Louie in Long Beach. Hey, Louie, you're on the fan. 
Rick. How are you? Good, Lou. Uh, uh, I've been coaching varsity sports, soccer, and lacrosse for over uh, 30 years. I run my team like a business. The student athletes have to come on time because this is about attitude. Attitude is everything. Absolutely. It's, it's a privilege to play on a varsity team, not an entitlement. If if my if my kids come late, they run an extra two miles after practice. One of the things uh, I make sure of if they if they're going to be late chronically, then they, I trump them, I fire them. It's just like a job. I take them off the team. The litmus test in sports is speed, I think. Yeah. And if a kid is slow, he needs to be working on that before the season starts. And uh, if he's fast, he has an advantage. If he's slow. Then he can go play golf, bowling, or volleyball. Uh, but uh, the most important part is that's what you need to work on is speed. Every every th- speed kills. Everything with speed in any sport is an advantage. Well, yeah, but I also re- uh, emphasize the point, Louis, that, that you just said, that the kids, especially by the time they get to be in high school, this is this really is, being on a team is a privilege, and, and it's not a right and uh, if they can't somehow get their, their act together to understand that and to be there on time for practice or for games, goodbye. I mean, I'm sorry. I got other kids who will be on time. And that's a, that's a, it's a very difficult kind of lesson, a hard lesson perhaps to, to get across to a kid. But as Jack was saying before, you got to repeat it and repeat it and repeat it so the kid finally understands just how important this is. It's a life lesson. Sure. It's, it's being fair. You got to be fair. That's, that's the way the kids see that you're fair. If the kid is late, there has to be consequences. There have to be uh, consequences. And, uh, yes. yeah, I, I also, that's another good point about being fair. Everybody on the team is expected to be treated the same way. And if you make special rules or have a double standard for one kid because he's a star, then the whole thing just falls apart like a house of cards. It's as simple it, as that. It, it's really fairness and respect. and respect. You're respecting your team by being on time. Yep. And you're respecting the coach and the program. I hear you. Hey, Louie, thank you for the call. Appreciate Take care, it. Take Rick. Thanks See again. You. Bye-bye you know, now. You know, and, and uh, just to emphasize what Louie is saying, that's exactly right. If you're a coach, whether it's high school or it's travel or club, whatever, you know, respect. you got to respect your teammates. Everybody wants to be treated fairly. You can't make special exceptions just because one kid is a star. Because once you do that, you're going down a very, very difficult road in which you're going to have some kids treated certainly certain a certain way, other kids treated a different way. That's not good, and everybody picks up on that. And, of course, it sends a terrible message to that so-called star player. All right, let me take a quick pause. I'll be back. Stay with me. Friends, just a, a couple of reminders in wrapping up uh, today's show. First of all, don't expect, if you're a sports parent, you know, take it upon yourself to educate your kids as they get immersed in uh, youth sports. Explain to them what they need to know about the obligations of being on a team. Explain to them about being on time, about making, for, making sure they put forth their best effort, that they listen to their coaches that they understand sportsmanship. All these basic life lessons, the fundamentals, the intangibles that we all want our kids to benefit from, again, this comes from you, the mom and dad. Yeah, sure, these things will be reinforced by the coaches uh, as they get deeper and deeper into the season, but early on, it's upon you to explain to your youngster what they need to know and what to expect as they go further into sports. 
Remember, remind them that being on a team is a privilege. It's not a right, and that can be abused. They have to understand that and accept that. And again, these are the lessons you want to get across to them because it's so essential, so important that they get off to the right step. And then that's, I, I can't tell you how important this is. Okay, that's going to do it for me in this edition of the Sports Edge. My thanks this morning to Pete Kennedy. Please stick around for Football Sunday, and I'll see you next week right here on the Sports Edge. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.